Hello and welcome to Impact, Intentionality and Innovation. My name is Kieran John and today I'm in conversation with Johnny Page from the Esme Fairburn Foundation. Johnny is Head of Social and Impact Investment at the Foundation, which aims to improve our natural world, secure a fairer future and strengthen the bonds of communities in the UK. So thanks for joining us today, Johnny, and for also contributing to our report titled Impact Investment, Intentionality and Innovation, Unlocking Financial, Social and Environmental Value for UK PLC. During today's conversation, we're going to touch upon your journey to working in the social and impact investment space, how the foundation uses the power of investment to make a meaningful difference and conclude with your reflections on our report. But first, like with every interview during this podcast series, we're going to start by asking you, what does the phrase impact venture mean to you? What does impact venture mean to me? It means when an organisation puts impact front and centre, so it's pervasive for an organisation. It's not an outcome here and a thought process there and a KPI somewhere else. It's when it's front and centre and everything else follows to that. Um, You measure it, you pursue it, you seek to understand it. It's core to the business model and it's core to what the venture is about and, and why they do what they do. And, and that why is really key and brought out as well in, in, in your report as well, isn't it, Kieran, in terms of that word atten- intentionality. And I'd absolutely back that in terms of how we think about impact. Fantastic. Well, looking forward to talking um, and hearing about hearing about the impact ventures that the foundation supports later on in the session. But first, I thought it'd be good to start with hearing about your background. So. Um, before you worked in the impact space, you were an accountant at Deloitte. How did that training as an accountant prepare you for life as a social and impact investor? I'd start by saying it's perhaps not the most obvious route going from an accountant to, to impact investing. And I'd be lying if I said that I joined Deloitte as a kind of fresh-faced grad, thinking, you know what I want to do, I want to invest for good, and that, that's where I'm going. I, I joined Deloitte as a kind of next best step for me out of uni, um, and that, that felt like the right decision at the right time. And the skills it gave me in hindsight has been incredible in terms of the obvious one around technical and being able to speak the finance language and and hopefully being able to speak that well and with some credibility attached to it is really important. And that also comes through then when you're serving on supporting boards as well, kind of on the portfolio support side, you've got that that expertise level that can hopefully add some value. So, So I absolutely don't underestimate any of that, but it's... It's also the soft skills, it's the client relationships, it's the understanding how to talk to exact level people in organisations, it's professionalism, it's processes and understanding all of that. So I'd say that that was my route in, um, but it's certainly not the only route in. And I think a kind of wide variety of different routes into the impact investing space is super important for diversity um, and what that looks like for us. Definitely. And I know the foundation has a kind of strong theme about diversity and inclusion, doesn't it? So definitely important to bring people on board that have you know, got different backgrounds, different experiences. So you talked about your route into it based on the pe- other people you work with in the foundation, also people, you impact investors and social investors, you know, in the sector, what the kind of their journeys into it as well. Is it, is it similar to yours or is it a completely different, different route? It's a good question. It's varied. I think historically speaking, we've, we've taken a lot of people out of the financial services sector. We've taken a lot of bankers and professional services and consultants but actually there's now and and for very good good reasons there's now a move to understanding actually what it means to really understand the impact you're investing into and not just understanding the financial instrument and how a complementary skill set is needed in every investment team so that may mean lived experience of the um the cause you're particularly trying to make a difference in one of the things that i find incredible at esme for example is i've got grant managers who sit next to me in in the office who are ex-ecologists and just just know so much about the environment and and, and nature-based solutions that 
I'm there kind of just seeping it all in as much as possible and hoping it kind of transfers across the desk. And and that's in, integral to, to investing well and to in investing with integrity into impact. Definitely, I agree with that. And I think understanding the impact is a, is a key thing that, that jumps out to me. I was interested, um, obviously, before this interview, did a bit of, bit of background research and frankly, a bit of LinkedIn stalking to see about your background experiences. <laughs> and I saw that you volunteered as uh, for a social enterprise in Cambodia. There's obviously like a you know, a bit of a stereotype that people do these kind of trips to to find themselves in quotation marks. I know I did a, a trip to India when I was when I was a bit younger, and that gave me a flavour for working in this space. But I was wondering, was that was that trip the you know catalyst for you wanting to to shift into the, the world of social investment, or was it just a you know you want to go and see Cambodia and this is a, a really good way to see it? I'd, I'd be lying here if I said it wasn't more of the latter. So, um, I, I, the, the, jokes aside, there was there was a kind of selfless and a selfish ambition to it. The the selfless was I wanted to take a skill and, and go into a context that I'd not been into before and hopefully make a difference outside of my career at Deloitte. And so there was always that kind of burning desire in me to have that purpose in my day job. And the Cambodia was an extension of that, finding that purpose, I suspect. So rather than finding myself, probably finding a purpose in my career was, was a common thread. But there was also the selfish side of that. Instead of it's not just helping other people, it's also for, my, for, for myself as well. Let's experience more of the world that we live in. And that was important too. And it also did happen to be where I first found out about impact investing as well. And it was, I was working for a social enterprise out in Phnom Penh, the capital of Cambodia, and we were looking for investment for various different reasons, which I won't bore you with. We couldn't go for investment. It did mean that I had to do some research into the type of investment out there for social enterprise. And the Acumen Fund, for example, was like my first window into to the world of impact investing and just inspired me from day one where I thought, you know what, this is such an interesting mix of skill sets for me in terms of how can I use my financial skill sets for doing something good and in a course I really believe has scalability and can really tackle our biggest problems so I just was bought in on kind of word two of the Ackman website I think so. I guess it must have been good as well to kind of experience a social enterprise in a different country as well kind of seeing how that country and how the systems and mechanics of that country either supports social businesses or, or doesn't and I guess you can bring that back to the UK and also to other countries of the international aspect of the investment of the foundation so i don't know whether there was a you know a bit, probably a bit of time in between this but i know you moved on to work for the investment arm of the big issue which is one of the oldest and biggest social enterprises in the uk you started an investment manager and left i think around six months ago as an investment director i'm sure that you know lots of impact aligned or budding impact aligned investors will be listening to this podcast and thought it'd be quite interesting for you to kind of help along that journey i know you talked earlier about soft skills and hard skills that an impact investor or a social investor needs can you pinpoint any like maybe the, perhaps the top three skills which you think a budding social or impact investor would would need the question of why we do something became important more important than the how and the when and the what so actually having an answer to that and it's always a bit of a cliche question in interviews of what gets you out of bed on a, you know on a monday morning but actually it, it, that that question really matters when you're going into impact investing why do you do this what motivates you is it is it people is it planet is it um, nature-based solutions in the uk is it supporting communities in rural or urban contexts like what about impact is it that excites you and what is it about investing as a mechanism to delivering that impact or facilitating that impact excites you so that kind of so that's my first point is motivation and the why and having given that some pre-thought the second one is a bit of a chip on my shoulder about this maybe but there's there's perhaps a, a kind of a preconception that impact investing is, is almost an asset class it's almost that it's, it's an it's kind of a narrow area 
of investing more broadly. But I don't see it as, as that at all. I see it as pervasive across all asset classes. I see it as a realignment, a, re, a kind of way of rethinking how capital should be used. Um, and it should always be used, but now really does need to be used because we are being met with crises on so many fronts. And how, yeah, how we use that capital to make a difference. And, and it's, it's realigning, rethinking what we've already got rather than it being a new, fancy, glossy asset class. And so I think all I have to say, point two is, you need the existing skill sets of what it means to be an investor, um, but you also need to have that hunger and drive to to think about the impact and and to to really challenge existing systems. And there's a weirdly rebellious streak, I think, in a lot of impact investors that I know of that I I try and harness as someone that, that's probably too default to toe in the line myself. So that's the second, and then the third is around empathy. Empathy is absolutely key in terms of understanding the problems you're seeking to solve and how you invest into those, particularly for those that are following a similar career route for me, using your existing skill sets in a different context, corporate world skill sets in, in this context, how you can support social enterprises, organizations, businesses that are kind of profit for purpose. We can unpack all these definitions at any point and how you support those on a journey where you're trying to tackle some really meaty, really naughty problems. And that takes empathy and takes work and alignment of priorities and values. Definitely, those the three takeaways will, yeah, and I'm sure strike a chord with lots of people, people listening. I think there's, I don't know if you agree with this, but there's a perhaps a misconception in the so, especially the social investment space and possibly the impact investment space as well, that it's not true investment. It's not, it's an extension of grant funding, perhaps. For me, I think that's that's a misconception. I think that the three points you mentioned earlier shows that you've got to have the core skill set of an investor plus other aspects set you apart as a, a social investor or an impact investor do you come across that mis- misconception quite a lot and how do you kind of try and tackle that i guess firstly I, I don't i don't mind it being talked about in the same breath as grant i mean you take esme fairband as an example where we talk about the spectrum of capital and we talk about actually how we think about capital as a means of facilitating impact that's, that's going on elsewhere that we can support and use use money capital as, as a way of doing that and that's really important and so that understanding its relationship with grant philanthropic capital and understanding its relationship with purely motivated by financial return capital is really really important when it's being applied to level of diligence and skill sets required and thinking about market context operational context team context when you're making investments and and thinking also taking a step back thinking about the strategy and investment thesis of the fund or and what the difference you want to try and do make in the world is it's so multifaceted and is adding and realigning and rethinking. It's not It's not a subset. There might be a direction of travel with new investors coming into the space now thinking, actually, it's, it's quite exciting to work in this space and have that complexity and have that you know, other elements you won't get from mainstream investment. And I think interesting to build upon your talk about the spectrum of capital a bit later on in the conversation. But I'd quite like to finish this part of the interview by spotlighting an investment that hasn't gone quite well because I think I don't know about you but I listen to lots of, of podcasts in the, in the investment space and the impact investment space and lots of people talk about you know I, I back this early stage company that's on gone on to become a, a unicorn that's obviously great that's really that's a really positive thing but people listening often want to hear about the less successful investments because they provide learning opportunities I'm obviously not going to ask you to name any names now because that's not really not really fair on you or the other other people involved but what do you learn for any an investment that's perhaps less successful than you initially hoped I'd start by providing a bit of context that I personally see failure is an incredibly important tool for learning. Whatever lens you apply to investment, however you think about investment, you will see failures. It's the way that an impact investor may respond to those failures 
differently is the important bit. So, and to unpack that a little bit more, the learning I found from failures and across a few different examples, sadly, that's not just isolated to one, I've always known that relationships are important, but I've never known quite how important until things go wrong. Very easy to say we're kind of an impactful investor, we're supportive, we'll help you along the way. In the kind of PE world, there's lots of nice terminology around value creation, teams and that sort of thing. But but what does that really look like when something's going wrong? What does that really look like when the board are being fractious? What does that really look like when margins are plummeting? What does that look like when the the market is disappearing? What does it look like when the macroeconomy is doing what it's doing now? That's when you really find out whether an investor is, is aligned and supportive or is going to seek an exit stroke return at all costs as quickly as possible. And so for me, the learnings have been instilling right to the core and not just talking about being relationship focused, but actually really implementing that and really making sure that we understand as an investment team, particularly at Esme, but from previous slides as well, what it looks like in the downsides and, and playing those scenarios out before they happen so that it's not purely reactionary and there's a lot of proactive work going in and support and in our case at least when we talk about impact first capital putting that impact first not putting the finance first in some of those situations where it might not necessarily be in lockstep. I'm sure that the budding impact investors and social investors listening will be quite reassured to know that even you and your you know, level of experience still learn things every day and you know take that into your role at the foundations that's that's really good so as you know throughout the start of this conversation we talked about social investment we talked about impact investment and I'd love to kind of unpack the distinction a bit later but I think it'd be good to hear a bit more about the foundation generally and its role in the impact space. So, so the foundation exists to support three causes of three three aims so looking at supporting our natural world um, it particularly focused on the United Kingdom supporting creative confident communities and also fighting for a fairer future. That cuts across a whole load of different things on the our natural world side, looking at nature-based solutions, in creative confident communities, looking at place-based interventions, in a fairer future, looking at gender justice, race justice, young people. It's, it's, there's a whole spread within those different aims, but that's ultimately why we, why we do what we do. We have touched on it already in terms of thinking about the spectrum of capital as a way of doing that, but we see capital for us as a tool, as a tool for us to facilitate that impact and to make a difference. And so grant is one way of doing that, but so is investment and investment to grant and everything in between. So when I talk about sustainable investing, so investing with a kind of lens for understanding your impact and looking at it from like an ESG perspective all the way through to impact first investing, where we take highly concessionary financial returns to really value the impact and to, to make a difference in, in, in our aims. So we've got a kind of a proper spread a solid spread across our capital spectrum to, to try and make a difference in those areas. Do you feel like there's there's a role for the foundation to kind of go into spaces where perhaps other investors won't go to? I don't know if you've, I've, I've kind of gone to long to events and some people perhaps wrongly are saying, you know, there's no space for, for VCs in, in social. That's not, there's not a market there. With the environmental side, there might be more of a market now, sadly, because there's a you know, impending climate crisis and biodiversity challenges. Do you think it's the role for the foundation or other, other you know, similar organisations in the space to kind of go to those social places that need that support to get them get them going and get them accelerating their impact? Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I go beyond that. I, I don't think it's just a role. I think there's a responsibility for investment to start with impact, to really understand what the planetary and people pressures are in our society and to proactively use 
the capital and the privilege we've got with our capital to do something about it. I think that's a responsibility rather than rather than a role. There's things that we can do as a foundation where we are particularly privileged as a kind of capital owner to, to make a difference in certain areas other people where other people can't take that risk and recognizing that there is and I'd love to move away away from the word concessionary, which is another kind of pet peeve of mine in terms of concessionary and only like one aspect. If you see what I mean, it's additionality in, in everything else. So our natural world strategy is a really good example of that where there are some really exciting, high integrity, high impact nature-based projects that are that are happening at the moment that are being grant funded by the government effectively. There's the hope and the plan and the will that those will eventually be ready for commercial capital. And there's a huge gap in the middle for concessionary capital to take it from grant through to commercial investment and to prove out an investment model where there's a, a level of risk that would not be palatable for a commercial investor. And so how do we do we take that risk, that kind of early stage risk, to get it to a place where it can then be catalytic and expand and scale to a place where it's starting to really address us, our natural world problem. Do you feel like you can take that risk because you're starting from the impact first approach? You're seeing a challenge, you're wanting to find a solution to it. Does that give you the kind of ammunition to go out and put that impact first? Unsurprisingly, I'm banging the drum, but that, that's our focus. Our focus is how do we use our capital to make a difference? How do we use our work to make a difference for soil health or natural flood management? How can we use our capital to do that? In some cases, our role is just to support organisations that will always require concessionary capital, like a charity, for example, that will never, ever be taking on high levels of VC funding at any point in their journey. But also on the flip side, there will be also a role for us when we're playing a role where actually we're just going a little bit earlier and we're taking a catalytic position on it to say actually this will one day be attractive to commercial capital and our role is to get it there. So you talk about taking that risk and going going earlier than other people. It'd be interesting to talk, talk us through your, your practice and your approach to the investment. Does someone come to you with a great idea and you think, oh, let's let's see how we can back you in? Is it capital? Or is it investment? What's the kind of approach you generally take? There's a lot of market building, particularly when faced with really complex global issues. And then you layer that on with the expertise that we have in-house at Esme in terms of certain impact areas. And then how do we make a difference in that space? And if there's not already a market there, how do we facilitate one if, if one is needed? And so they're all the questions we're asking internally. If there is not a well-developed market somewhere, then that's another perhaps another role for social investment. Or it might be that there is a market, but there's a huge amount of market failure in that market. And how do we address that market failure and try and switch that to something where, and it might be looking at the grant side and as one of our tools in our toolbox to think about how do we advocate for policy change, whilst also how do we socially invest into best practice in this current inequal market and, and create change. And so there's lots of different ways that we can go about facilitating that, starting with thinking about how we generate that impact. That's interesting because lots of the sort of early stage ventures we speak to and they're kind of got this great idea they want to change the world perhaps they don't have the capital to back them and to go go further and lots of them we kind of give them a point in the direction of various grant funders and that kind of thing um but often they kind of go through this process and they find it quite time consuming they don't always get the capital at the end of it are there certain ways which grant making industry generally not just at the foundation can kind of change to make that easier or is it important to have that rigorous process to make sure the right organizations are getting that capital to, capital to accelerate their impact i i should start by saying that actually venture for me is a huge area of is is, is the next wave of impact investment in some ways in terms of the growth that we're seeing we're already starting to see that the big size of capital report that reported 
eight, nine X growth in the last kind of 10 years, up to, I think, 6.4 billion pounds now in, in impact social investment. A lot of that growth or some of that growth has been now being driven by the venture space, which we haven't seen kind of five plus years ago. So it's, it's all very new and it's all very topical. Certainly in terms of what comes across my desk, I'm seeing so many exciting early stage organizations that are on the edge of innovation. And I have very selection bias because I'm an impact investor, but I don't see any pitch decks now at all, not even a slightly more rogue one where impact, the, the reason for doing something's not there, not clear. Why we need to make a change and how they're going to make that change is, is I'm seeing so much stuff that gives me really a lot of optimism for the power of venture to scale up to meet the challenges of um of, of our current day so that kind of the premise and i've gone off a little bit back here and so i might need a refresh it, it points to me kind of goes back to your 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 topic earlier about you know, social investors or impact investors taking taking more risks but also the point you mentioned a moment ago about there being a market now for for vc in this space do you think it's do you think it's kind of fair on the impact first investors to kind of take those risks and then you get finance first investor come in a bit later on in the funding round you know, benefit from that that investment or is it just you know the role that some impact first investors have to do to get firstly the ventures to that stage but also kind of you know uk plc or, or kind of global problems is it is it important to kind of take those risks but not be too precious if other people take the rewards as well some of that is laid by the fact that we also think about the spectrum of capital so we're also thinking about how our core endowment is investing too so our like a dream scenario for me as that kind of as looking after the middle chunk of the, the, the kind of impact and financial return intersection is thinking about how do we take something that was initially grant funded all the way through to something that is now taking on the bigger ticket sizes in the endowment and so there is a danger and we are aware of that danger of being kind of used almost as a doormat <laughs> to facilitate financial returns actually one we are very aware of that and do keep a close eye but two if it's generating the impact that we want to generate and if it means scaling up a social organization and we play our role in doing that then that's our role in doing that as a social from a social investment allocation perspective but the again it, it, it comes back to my point around and i've used it myself and it's because it's just such easy terminology that everyone understands in terms of concessionary capital i, I don't see it as concessionary so if we're making an investment into an organization and our financial return is taking a hit versus what a commercial investor might be looking at later on. The impact and the, the catalytic element of what we're doing there makes it worth it for us. And that makes it a really, really good and really, really exciting investment. For us, that's our return, right? It's, think, it's not just the financial return. Moving away from thinking of, woe is us, we're not generating the same level of financial return as someone else in our, in our kind of impact first allocation is important. We're doing it for a whole layer of reasons. Mm. I guess it's also help, helpful that the likes of big, big society capital through Impact VC are trying to encourage more VCs to work in the space and be authentic with Impact as well. And I think that would naturally kind of have more alignment with the work you're doing at the foundation when you when you sit on the cap table. I'm quite interested to know about the foundation's approach of being a co-investor. How does that work kind of in the context of perhaps being on the cap table with another Impact investor? Not that you have to name any, of course, again, but also if it's on a cap table with um, you know, and what we call perhaps a mainstream investor. How does that how does that work? Yeah, in, investing alongside others it helps us support others and understand where other investors are on the journey in terms of thinking about their impact and thinking about the returns and investments and all the way to working together on diligence processes and aligning and learning from each other. That 
part of our role is is looking at the sector and taking our privileged position and hopefully being able to influence by taking a sort of different approach to some others um, and, and taking some learnings from that and bringing other investors on that journey with us. And equally, there's there's stuff for us to learn as well, um, kind of from a low ego approach from, from other investors too. And so doing that in partnership, doing that together fosters that kind of collaboration, hopefully pulling in the same direction. And we recognise that we'd be foolish to think we can do this on our own and we know we can't, right? We, we've got levelling up, which we were quoted a couple of months ago that needs a trillion pounds into these levelling up areas in the next 10 years. I mean, that's coming from private capital and we have to play our small part in influencing capital that's not ours to go into these these, these places, more deprived areas and communities. Doing it together and trying to prove a model of impact investing and a way of thinking is really, really important for us and introducing some rigor and integrity to the way that we think about our impact um, and the way that we want to make a difference with our investments um, is really important. And we, we love to play our part in collaboration with others to do that. It's interesting to hear you say that because I think for me, a key theme that came out of our report is the kind of the collaboration side and of course the need for networks as well in this space. And it's interesting to you, you pointing to the kind of working together diligently with other co-investors. Some of the people we, we've interviewed or kind of people we know through our networks are kind of talking about the, the approach when they get multiple impact investors on the cap table, which is obviously a positive thing because you kind of want people supporting impact through the capital but also the expertise. But some of them have found a bit of difficulties when you know, one impact investor measures wants to measure data in one way and another impact investor has a different approach. Are you kind of seeing like co-investors kind of coalescing around agreed common financial reporting metrics or is it are people still perhaps working in silos this should not come at the expense of simplicity for for a founder and for a venture and that if managing a whole load of stakeholders a whole load of investors all asking for a whole load of different things then i don't think the syndicate's quite doing its job if i'm being perfectly honest and can get very tricky for a founder quite quickly so yeah it's, it's an important caveat in terms of what i see in the sector around alignment individual data points is very hard and we, we don't see a great deal of alignment at kind of fund level for that nor would i expect to see it but i think there is an there well there absolutely is an important role in terms of ensuring that your requirements in a deal with a founder and a venture are proportionate and sensible and not overly onerous and again i say that from a rather privileged position in terms of not having a limited partner base to to manage up to or to support so that is an important consideration. In terms of wider impact measurement frameworks, I am personally starting to see, in, in the circles I'm in, starting to see some level of convergence into the impact management project framework, um, IMP for short, and thinking about whether something is benefiting or contributing to solutions and thinking that way, and also the sustainable development goals. There aren't many decks now that come by us that don't have a reference to an SGG in there somewhere Whilst it's very high level, it does have a huge amount of value to my mind in terms of common language for everyone to speak to, which I, I think has probably been missed for, for a long time. Do you also kind of tend to see some ventures perhaps throwing, I wouldn't say, fair to say this, throwing mud at the wall and seeing which SDG sticks? Or do you think they take that, you know, I really want to focus on SDG 3 because that's what we really want to do. Are you kind of seeing, you know, people really specialising with the kind of impact they're having or they kind of, I guess the people that work in this space want to have impact generally, don't they? Want to have broad impact to other spaces, but there's a role for an impact venture to perhaps focus on one certain SDG as their MVP, perhaps. Absolutely. And, and I, again, I think it comes to the whole thinking about the financial system as 
think about impact investing as an overlay on top of that as an overlay and a re a kind of a way of thinking as opposed to another asset class in that you're going to naturally get those who are slightly more generalist and slightly more specialist in certain areas so you're going to get you're going to get venture funds that will just be focusing on ag tech and your um, food tech and that's really good because you, the specialism the expertise really matters but you'll also get more generalist impact funds that are focused on a more broad way of looking at SDGs and that's fine too from a founder perspective it's about understanding what you're delivering first that's the most important thing and the change you want to see in the world and then finding the investors that align to those values and part of my job is to ensure that there are investors that are focused on the values of the SDGs whereas a founder's job is to find those investors that align and that makes every conversation from then on so much easier. You talk about you know, finding those investors I think perhaps a problem in the sector of it being who you know and there's not that much diversity in the kind of access to this this funding do you think there needs to be more done in in the sector to make it more transparent about you know this is where you go if you're for instance an ed tech venture this is who you speak to these are the experts in this area do you think we need more of that or is it you need founders who've got that initiative anyway to go out and find those investors and speak to the right people Oh, we, yes, yes, yes. We absolutely, we absolutely need that, Kieran. We again speaking from my, as myself only. There's been too long have we relied on networks and family and friends, and that's given ventures of a very narrow demographic, perhaps. And I put myself in that bucket, accessing opportunities and accessing capital that others don't get access to. Um, and actually, a large part of what I was doing towards the end of my time at Big Issue Invest was co-founding the Growth Impact Fund alongside Unlimited and Shift. That was about, that was a, a large portion of that is focused on the quality of opportunity. How do we ensure that it's not investing in the people we know, the networks that we know, but even the names that we recognize, the track records we've seen before, or the, the serial entrepreneurs? And not to say that, that there's not a place for that, but there absolutely is, and track record does matter. But we need to think about it very carefully and make sure that not, that's not exclusionary. And I think the more we do to open the book of impact investing to understand what's out there, what different investors' mandates are, what they're looking for, the types of support they can provide, and ultimately what, what investors, what we can do for ventures, that's our, that our role is to support ventures. Um, the more that is open book, and uh, the better, in my opinion. It'd be good to hear a bit more a bit later about the kind of support that you think impact investors can provide to investees but be interested to go back to the kind of transparency and accountability side of thing in the in the impact investment marketplace a key theme from our report was the need for more of this and i know the foundation as as you mentioned earlier believes in the power of open data and transparency how can we achieve this is it people in our report talked about an index of impact investors kind of ranking investors on certain metrics or certain specialist areas is that the answer or is that too too simplistic it's such an easy answer to give to say it's too simplistic, but I do think we need to start somewhere with it. We, we build on that. A lot of this comes down, and this might be my old Deloitte hat on, but I think a lot of it does come down to reporting and regulation, which makes me sound like a really fun guy, doesn't it? But without, without those kind of parameters in place, um, definitions, caveats, T's and C's, there's always ways to game it. The not particularly technical term of green and impact washing. There's, there's always that out there and that's the kind of the bit that makes me nervous when we start talking about indices without kind of proper appropriate frameworks around them that, that, that really test this with an element of kind of rigor and integrity because there's so much great great work going on out there with impact investors but there's also an awful lot of stuff going on out there that is saying what people want to hear as opposed to doing what is needing to be done definitely 
and there definitely seems to be um, a problem with sort of green greenwashing and impact washing and you talked about how can we ensure this doesn't happen am i right in thinking you think the government has a role to this or do you think that the impact investment sector as a whole needs to kind of self-regulate and self-police it and kind of the leaders and the, the best practice in the area will kind of they'll they'll shine through they'll get the the big ticket investments and they'll kind of be successful is that the way to do it is it kind of a self-regulated approach or do we need an external body to be the the gatekeeper so to say of, of impact investment for me it needs government intervention it does it, it and i know rishi's a regular listen to, listen to this, so <laughs> he's got nothing <laughs> else to do um, is he <laughs> exactly exactly he's got a spare time on his hands yeah it it, it does it, it needs the, the level of rigor we have and the focus we put on financial accounts and again, as an ex-auditor, the level of detail is mind-blowing. Um, and to ensure that you can trust that there's a true and fair view on those statements and that investors can trust it, stakeholders can trust it, the general public can trust it, it needs that level of rigour and professionalism um, attached to it. And I, and I think that if we put all of that resource and thinking into comparing and assessing financial positions, then why not impact? Why not start thinking about it with that level of rigor? Yeah, that will create a lot of nervousness, I'm sure. <laughs> but that's, that's that's my opinion on it. I guess there's there's an area in this space which has a lot of regulation and perhaps a lot of rigor. Well, you, people may disagree with this, but ESG is always perhaps with people who aren't involved day to day in the sector. They kind of bundle impact investment and ESG into the same same sentence. I think another another reflection of our report is that there's a risk in confusing it too much. And I, know I always like to very spotlight a really good quote from Johannes Leonard from Venture ESG, ESG, who said, ESG is how you do things and impact is what you do. I know that, you know, from what you said on, on the website, that the impact investment practice at Big Society Capital is kind of bridging the gap between the social investment and the ESG offering. I'd be quite interested to hear your your views on ESG generally and how that kind of interplays with the work you do at the foundation. Yeah, I mean, ESG has a great level of value, so I'm not, I'm not here to put a downer on that at all. But the impact-driven element of impact investing, as we define it, that intentionality that the report talks about, that can't be replaced. That needs to become our pervasive way of thinking. And ESG as a framework, as a reporting mechanism is is really valuable in that but not without its loopholes and not without its difficulties but it's 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 better that it's there than it's than it not being there in in terms of the way that we think about it at, at esme we we think about sustainable resilient kind of sustainable responsible sorry investment on the endowment and how much of that can we then start thinking about the environmental the social the governance the esg in that and and looking at it slightly differently in terms of thinking about the first-time funds or slightly smaller ticket sizes that are doing are really pioneering the ESG of the, the aspect of their fund, and how can we allocate more into that? So that's a kind of a, a big endowment question. Then we've all we've I've already spoken quite a lot around our, our kind of concessionary capital, social investment work, and the grant work as well. But there's that bit in the middle which we've called impact investing, which aligns nicely to this report in terms of thinking about how impact and financial return. Are, can often be in lockstep and again the report talks really well to that and how this isn't sacrificing one thing for another this is actually it makes investment sense it's about the sustainability of our planet it's about living within our means it's about regeneration it's about positive difference on people's lives and and how that will be the business of the future and how that's going to be the way of working of the future and how actually even if you forget the impact lens entirely there's still a case for this 
a really important case for it for this and i don't at all advocate for forgetting about the impact entirely but there is there is a case for it and so our impact investing allocation sits in the bit which holds esg and kind of concessionary capital stroke philanthropy and sits in between there to say there's a world there's there's a world where this two stuff where this coexists and it coexists really really well um, and people have been doing it for years we're working out what that means for us in terms of our aims that we're trying to make a difference against and how we generate financial returns that will be very comparable to the returns that we, we achieve on the endowment. I think based on what you, you said today, it seems to me that ESG metrics do play a part in the kind of approach from, from Esme. I think you, know, you talked a lot about diversity and inclusion. You also, on the website, you talk about the sort of requirement for the portfolio to be net zero by 2040. Is the foundation taking that approach because first it's the right right thing to do, and frankly, it should be the bare minimum for every business, or is it because it those ESG metrics are they supportive of a successful social investment opportunity or an impact investment opportunity? We can absolutely use responsible, sustainable ESG investing, whatever terminology we want to give it there, into making a fundamental difference in our society and our world, and not just net neutral, net positive, and how we work through that and work through that at every level of the organization and how we work through that with our advisors as well to the to the endowment and the questions the conversation the the pushing the boundaries is so exciting and there's absolutely a place for that and that all feeds then into how we think about impact investing and i would would love for this one day to be part of the same conversation to to it for it not to be impact investing esg responsible sustainable investing for us to think about this as a continuum a spectrum of Actually, we all invest for impact and we all have an impact with our investments, just whether it's net negative, net neutral or net positive. If it's net negative, that externality, that needs to be costed in some way. And if it's positive, then that's more of a reason to do an investment. And we're looking at impact risks and impact return, not just financial risk and financial return. And a kind of more holistic way of looking at the way that we invest, I think, is the future. So I would love to not be talking about yeah, ESG, financial and impact for much longer. Hopefully we can have another conversation in a few years time and see if that, that, is, that is the case. But um, I'm going to bring our conversation to the end today by asking a, quite a big question and um, obviously no pressure to answer if you don't feel feel able to. But how you think we can unlock the potential impact investment to provide the solutions to the economic, environmental and social challenges the UK PLC faces? Obviously, we're speaking now in the context of an economic crisis in the UK and obviously lots of lots of challenges going on. Is, is there one thing which you can point to that will help unlock that? Or is it things we talked about earlier about networks and uh, those things? Anything that anything that strikes, strikes a chord with you? I think this will happen. It's just the speed at which it happens. So for me, the question is, how do we accelerate that? What, what accelerates that? What premise accelerate that? And I think I, I think a regulatory framework makes a massive difference, if I'm honest clarity on how you bake impact into your decision making alongside fiduciary duty, clarity on actually if I invest into this, this is the impact I'm having and this is the community voice in that decision and this is the community waiting in that decision, uh, participation in that decision and, and how our investment have an impact, that, that fundamental thinking I think comes down to, to clarity and that clarity might come through regulation, that clarity might come through sharing best practice, that clarity might come through a slightly longer, slower period of osmosis and the right conference lecture and slowly over time, but I'd love it for it to be faster and to be accelerated somehow. 
Fantastic. Well, thanks. Thanks today, Johnny. And thanks to everyone for listening. As Johnny said, if you want to hear more about the foundation, you can head to www.esmefairburn.org.uk. And if you'd like to read our report and be part of our impact aligned community, head to tailorventors.com.